This week's episode is brought to you by Fairy Godmother Travel. Contact them today and they can book all of your Disney vacation needs. Again, that's Fairy Godmother Travel. Email them at communicorweekly at fairygodmothertravel.com and tell them we sent you. Welcome to Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show and home of the world's first pair of independently born identical twins. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And you just took a magical trip somewhere. Oh, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Did you, uh, did you forget that you well, took one? It wasn't. Well, part of it, I guess, theoretically could have been magical because of where it was. That's true. That's true. I guess but then part of it. you had other things to explore. Yes, yes. And such. Some we just always talk in these vague terms when we're about to do a trip. Before, I know. So. It's like a tease. It is. We want to make is. sure people continue to listen. Uh, sure. Just in case, maybe? Eh, let's I just guess. jump into your trip report. I'm still jumping scared. We took a trip. And this is our trip. Okay, so for the second year in a row, I was invited to cover the IAPA show that happens in Orlando. And, and what's IAPA, you might be asking? It is, and it took me two years to, to memorize this, the International Association is. of Amusement Parks and Attractions. <laughs> it's a big trade show full of people that um, run amusement parks, theme parks, family entertainment centers, you know, like Fun Spot or, you know, those putt-putt courses near your house, arcades, you know, if malls want to buy, you know, vin- arcade games for their mall or, you know, even museums and libraries can go there. But I covered it because I wanted to see all the cool roller coaster stuff and see the new neat VR stuff. Of course, and, the and, VR stuff is awesome. And if... Exactly. So, um, so you know, app usually goes on for like the the week before Thanksgiving in November every year down in Orlando, and I was able to go down for some time and and do some other things, but you know, with IAPA, of course, I stopped at all of the major uh, roller coaster booths. I had to stop at Bollinger Mablard and Mac and Rocky Mountain Construction, and just you know talk to some of the coaster designers and just tell them how wonderful they are and how much I love them. And thank you for making wonderful roller coasters. But also checked out a lot of VR. Uh, there was so much virtual reality this year. A lot with the Samsung Gear style headsets on all sorts of crazy contraptions from, you know, big, well, not big, but like inside of a theater that holds like 15 to 20 people and the base moves to, you know, VR for two people to sit together with a fan in front of your face. Uh, there was one by Stereo Life and it was incredible. It was so realistic. Not once did they flip you over, but it felt like you were being flipped over. So much VR. Everywhere you turn around the corner, there was VR. Tons of arcade game played the world's largest Pac-Man game. I still was terrible at it, but 
you know, I still got to play it. And uh, bigger doesn't make you better. Exactly. It, wait, what? Oh, never mind. Exactly. I'll move on. And you know, got to try some really cool, yeah, really cool theme park food, like the Beaver Tails. And I can't remember the name of the booth, and I know somebody there will. But um, a lot of those uh, meat carving stations that you see at like Brazilian restaurants a lot of time, um, where they just sort of carve the meat off. Well, they had one there, and they were making crepes, but instead of meat, it was chocolate and peanut butter that was all mixed together. So they were scraping it off and putting it with fresh fruit into a little crepe, and it was spectacular. So many, uh, so many amazing virtual reality. Uh, Sally Darkride, you know, got to see their new uh, Five Nights at Freddy animatronic, which is really cool. The Joker animatronic from the Six Flags parks, the Walking Dead, and oh, it was crazy, absolutely crazy. I loved it, but that wasn't all I did. That was not all. There's more. Wait. So I also got to go to SeaWorld. If you guys remember from a couple episodes back, I got to go on the Coaster Crusade where I went down to Busch Gardens, Tampa and rode their coasters. And then they drove us to SeaWorld and it rained. So I didn't get to ride the coasters there. So I got to go back and I got to ride Kraken, which is an okay coaster. I enjoyed it. And... Um, Manta, which is a flying coaster, which was fun, but I also got to ride the brand new Mako. Which was it is, good? Oh, it's it's beautiful. It's one of the best coasters I've ever ridden. Uh, it's it's now probably my favorite coaster of all time. Oh so wow, that's pretty, high praise. It's pretty spectacular. It's a barely barely crest two hundred feet, so it's the first hyper coaster in um, Florida. You know, it's a good hyper coaster doesn't have any loops, but it's lots of curves and banks and ejector airtime. Rode it twice, and it was. Wonderful, and it's one of the first coasters that has a soundtrack, which is kind of neat. Um, you don't really hear it as much, but it's still there. So after that, the next day I went and did Epcot, and got to do the new Soren just for you, Jeff, just to try it Meh. out. I know, Meh. I know, it was okay. I like the old one better. This one didn't have as many smells, and it was it felt even more disjointed than the original Soren. Uh, got to do Alan's Energy Adventure, which I haven't done in like 15 years. You know, trying to hit these things I haven't done in a while. The 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 films in China and France, and the one in France they've digitally redone it. It is spectacular, really worth worth a stopover. And did the uh, Frozen ride, which I've heard a lot of interesting things about. You know, the overtook the Maelstrom, and I, you know I know Jeff, you're going to ride it soon, and. Just pay attention to the animatronics. They're pretty spectacular, and I liked it much better than Maelstrom. Really? I liked it much better than Maelstrom, but it's still a short ride. The queue is fantastic. Really enjoyed the queue, but it is hard to wait on that, you know, wait 35, 40 minutes for that ride when it's, you know, barely two minutes long. But it's the same length as Maelstrom. I just really, really enjoyed it. But that's okay. I know the haters are going to hate, right? Of course they are. But the... Of course, yeah. The coolest thing, though, is when I was going from Ellen's Energy Adventure crossing the plaza over to Soren to get my fast pass over Soren, I was walking by the pin trading station behind Spaceship Earth, and I heard Muppet music. And I was like, what? And I stopped, and there was the mobile, the Muppet Mobile Lab with Dr. Bunsen Honeydew in Beaker. And Dr. Bunsen Honeydew was talking to people as he came by, and he stopped in the middle, and I got my phone out and recorded the whole thing. It was breathtaking. Remember when we saw Lucky the Dinosaur on the community Yeah, yeah. It was like and that. And how we got 
goosebumps with that. It was just like that. It was so realistic. It sounded like Dr. Bunsen Honeydew, but the uh, he was interacting with everybody. He had, you know, I got called up there to participate, which was wonderful. And he asked me what my name is. He repeated it. He asked me a few other things, and it wasn't canned. It wasn't canned responses at all. So they actually have a live they have honeydew a impersonator. Live, That's awesome. Yeah, and it sounded wonderful. So I really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed that. Epcot, of course, was wonderful. Hadn't been there about two years. Love seeing it, like visiting home. Uh, and then I got to do Universal, you know, one of the last days for my annual pass that I bought last year. Of course, the Harry Potter area is amazing. Uh, Escape from Gringotts, beautiful ride, fantastic use of screens. Although, I do wish Universal would stop spraying me with water on every single ride. They just That's love their water. They love the water. Enjoyed that one. Um, you know, did both sides. Rode the new Hulk coaster, and I will say it's not my favorite. It was very painful. Did not like it. Even though it is a B&M coaster, it hurt my ears. I kept bashing into the restraints. Didn't like it. So either I need smaller ears or they need to make it less bumpy. Smaller ears makes sense say. to me. Yeah. So uh, the last day I did go to Busch Gardens Tampa, which is my third visit to this park, and I love the park. The animal encounters are wonderful. Really enjoy it. But the exciting news for me with Busch Gardens Tampa is I rode their new coaster, Cobra's Curse, which was down during the Coaster Crusade, and that was my 100th coaster credit. So yay! 100 different coasters that I've ridden. Well, I know I'm still a baby. I know people that have ridden three or 400 different coasters, but I'm working on it. But it's a lot of fun. Love the animal encounters. And on my way out, uh, there was this guy walking around the park, and he just sort of started talking to me because I was standing in front of the Gwazi, the old roller coaster, filming uh, something for the vlog. And he was like, hey, you know that used to be the, a roller coaster? And I said, yeah, it used to be a brewery. And he was like, yeah, I've been coming here for over 40 years. And that's one of the things I miss is the brewery. Yeah, his name was Bill. He's a great guy. We walked out. uh, He comes to Busch Gardens Tampa almost every day. Used to weigh over 500 pounds and was down to uh, 215 from spending his time walking. But he said he loves theme parks. He's uh, traveled all over the country. uh, Had a... uh, just comes every day and walks. He says he doesn't enjoy the newer coasters, which is fine. Misses, fine. misses the sky ride, loves the animal encounter, but the thing he absolutely positively mo- misses the most was the free beer, which well, I can understand. Yeah. 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 He said he liked the monorail, um, did the brewery tour, and had a good time uh, drinking and enjoying the free beer. He said there's nothing like beer that's that fresh. <laughs> and I was like, that's pretty cool. Can't so, beat fresh free beer. Yeah, so after, you know, enjoying the day at Busch Gardens Tampa and riding their coasters and hanging out with the the penguins and riding the train and getting to spend some time talking to Bill, I uh, just had a great time. And went back to my hotel room, slept, and drove back the next day. And it was a whirlwind trip. So if Very you get nice. the chance to visit IAPA, please do. You're going to see stuff that is coming out in the future that will be in theme parks in a couple years, and really a lot of cutting-edge technology, a lot of exciting stuff. And then, you know, plus I get to go visit all these other parks, too. You know? Very nice. I like it. Now I just got to figure out where I'm going to go next. He's a nerd. He's a geek. But we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his beat. It's George's Book of the Week. This week's book 
is The Summer of Cotton Candy by Debbie Vigay. And uh, The Summer of Cotton Candy is a teen novel that is set in a fictional theme park called The Zone, with a capital T and a capital Z. And The Zone is sort of similar to Disneyland and Knott's Berry Farm, and from what I can understand, is sort of set closer to the Los Angeles area itself. And it's the first book of a longer series that all center around Candace Thompson, who's a young teen who is sort of finding out who she is and what she wants to do. Now, Debbie is married to Dr. Scott, who is a friend of the show and lead developer of the Swanboat Time Technology and runs Dr. Geek's Lab, the podcast and web series. So uh, I was fortunate enough to be on uh, two panels at DragonCon with Scott and Debbie, and she gave me a copy of the book to review. And I'm always happy to take a look at anything that's theme park related. And, you know, this isn't the first time that I've reviewed a teen book or a teen romance, sort of. <laughs> Plenty of those. You know, we'll, we'll do what we need to for this show. But yes, this, this book is geared towards the younger teen girl who loves theme parks and is sort of struggling with entering a much larger world. And of course, the whole time I'm reading it, my wife is making fun of me for reading my romance book. Yeah. Uh, so, so The Zone is a, th- a theme park that's started by a sports star and offers multiple areas with different themes and different types of rides. Uh, Debbie does a really great job of bringing the theme park to life and offering attractions that fit the areas and feel like they could be real. In one case, there is a uh, part that's called the end zone, which has a sports feel. And one of the roller coasters is sort of like you're the football being thrown into the end zone or kicked in the end zone. It was it was pretty in, pretty intense. Uh, but she does a great job of really talking about the individual attractions and sort of imagineering what her theme park would be. So right off the bat, getting back into the book, we find out that Candace is being forced by her parents to get a summer job. I mean, the nerve, come on. So this causes a lot of ripples, especially with her summer plans with her very wealthy best friend, Tamara. So how is she going to hang out with Tamara if she has to work all the time? And because Candace applied to the zone so late, she's got a choice between two jobs, and the one she chooses is selling cotton candy. And when her name tag gets messed up, it says candy instead of Candace. So yes, candy selling cotton candy, and it, it does lead to several comical situations in the book. But, you know, as I mentioned earlier, it is a teen romance, and Candy does run into a face character that sort of melts her heart. And she runs into other people that work in the zone that challenge her and her ideas of what friendship is supposed to be. And I was surprised that this one guy in the book never turned into a love interest. I was kind of rooting for him. But, you know, that's okay. Things happen. Uh, You know, Debbie, the author, she has a really great style, and all of her characters felt very realistic. As I mentioned, she paints a very cool and interesting theme park with a lot of unique rides. Uh, A few of the rides sounded quite terrifying in a good way. And, you know, if I have anything negative to say, it's that there there is some religion thrown into the book, but it wasn't overwhelming and it was never preachy. It's just a very quick read. And honestly, it's a perfect beach read. It didn't take me long to get through it. Uh, But there is a, a larger lesson that's imparted you know, through several characters in the book about looking past what's on the outside and getting to know the person on the inside and sort of questioning things. It wasn't heavy-handed, and I thought it was delivered in a very nice way. 
Uh, I wasn't, again, I wasn't anywhere near the target audience, but I still enjoyed the book. Teens and tweens that are interested in theme parks are really going to enjoy it. And, you know, teen girls dealing with boys, friendships, and new people that they're running into will find a friend in candy. Uh, The Summer of Cotton Candy is a fun read, and I'm really glad that Debbie offered me a copy. Sort of opened my eyes a little bit to a different type of literature. So this week's book was The Summer of Cotton Candy by Debbie Vigay. What we liked, what we didn't like, yay's in the booze! 60-second review! So long-time listeners know how much I love the original Peach Dragon. So when the remake was announced, needless to say, I was pretty hesitant about the whole thing. And even when it was in theaters, you know, I I was resistant to going to see it. (laughs) But, you know, I heard from some friends it wasn't that bad. And then it finally showed up my house and I popped it in because, you know, I had to see it. And, you know, I can say that as a massive defender of the original film, as flawed as it is, this remake has left me pleasantly surprised, actually. Yeah, I'd planned on seeing it, but sort of decided against it once some of the negative reviews came out. But, you know, like Jeff, when uh, it came in on Blu-ray, I was very interested in watching it. So, for starters, you do need to separate this movie from the original Peach Dragon that was released in the 70s. It's, uh, I hate to use the term reboot, but it's sort of like a reimagining of the story for a more modern time more than anything else. And I have to admit that I was glad that it wasn't a musical. That was a huge part of the charm of the original film, and I don't think there would be any way that you could do the original justice by having another Peach Dragon musical. Yeah, yeah. So this is the story of young Pete, who is very tragically separated from his parents, surprisingly tragically separated Mm -hmm. from them. And he comes across the dragon, whom he names Elliot, and the two of them kind of carve out a life together in the woods. And then the movie picks up years later when Pete encounters Natalie, this young girl, by accident, when he wanders too far away from his home and into this logging camp. And it kind of sets off this chain reaction of being removed from his woodsy home, and you know, and his claims of being raised by a dragon just kind of fall on deaf ears. And, and you know, it counts kind of simple in those, or you know, ridiculous in those simple terms. But it really is this emotionally charged story, like from the very beginning scene. Mm-hmm. You know, and Natalie, uh, the young girl, and Pete. Uh, Natalie is sort of like not. She's the. Well, I'm going to get confused on this, but I'm not. She's the daughter of a park ranger's boyfriend. Yes. Carl right? Yeah, that's right. Okay. That's right. Yeah, 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 that's right. So uh, the park ranger has heard stories about dragons all of her life from her father. And the father, played by Robert Redford, has uh, scared and enchanted kids for years about the dragon, which he claims to have seen when he was a young boy. And, 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 and you know, story aside, I think what you're going to hear from us is the real gem of this film, like the original, is Elliot. He is a computer-generated character, and... Uh, uh, he was amazing. He was very true to life. Yeah, I I was impressed at how good the visuals looked on just my TV alone. It was very visually stunning, and it actually totally fooled me a few times. Like, oh, wait, that wasn't a practical character. It was CGI. Mm -hmm. And Elliot is the heart of the story, and the fact that he looks so lifelike helps out a lot. Um, But the entire story captivated me, and it just kept me really enthralled. And they did a wonderful job of reimagining the original film and making this, like, more heartfelt story around it. Yeah, Elliot was amazing. That's There's nothing else to say about that. It, it felt like you were watching a gigantic Labrador puppy. 
you know, hanging out with his best friend. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, to me, it, it was a little more than heartfelt, uh, though that's not the right term. It was, it was very sad at times. Oh, yeah. There were parts, and I was like, oh, I don't like this. I don't want this to happen. No. So I guess it, in that, you know, it, it did a good a job. It did a good job of pulling my heartstrings. It really did. Um, you know, both Pete and Elliot really have to learn a lot about themselves, and they have to grow up somewhat, you know, especially Pete. He's really got to grow up. He's been in the forest for a while, you know, and it didn't, the, the movie didn't always feel like it was heading towards a happy ending. And, you know, a movie's got to have a happy ending or people are going to get upset. But, but the story, you know, like Jeff said, it did surprise me. And, you know, I felt like the film just wasn't given a chance, and it really needs a chance. It really does. So, uh, technical-wise, the film looks great on Blu-ray. You know, the greens, which is a pretty predominant color throughout the film, they all look fantastic. Uh, Some of the other darker colors were a little muted, but uh, obviously still passable. The sound mix is fantastic, Mm -hmm. too. But where it lost me a little bit were the, the, the extra features. They were pretty... I mean, this is a trend we've been noticing. They're pretty lackluster from yeah. disc to disc, and there wasn't really a whole heck of a lot of substance to them, which was unfortunate for this type yeah. of film. There was nothing that really caught my attention, and you know, even with the extras, I was I, I started thinking more about the film, and the, the filmmaking was very interesting. You know, like the Jungle Book, how much of it yeah. was CG and how much they'd interact. But you know, it made me think uh, a few months ago or a few shows ago uh, reviewed uh, the Lost Years. Yes, the Peach Dragon, the sort yes. of like the book that takes place sort of after the tra- tragic accident and before uh, Pete is found by Natalie in the forest. And now it's like, oh, so much more of it makes sense. Yes. And I yes, enjoyed the book a lot more. So it might be something that you want to check out as well in between, you know, after watching the movie to sort of fill in the story a little bit. Yeah. You know. But I think overall, the, the you know, the movie was better much better mm-hmm. than i expected and it's a good mm-hmm. addition to the disney live action canon and i definitely suggest checking it out yeah definitely two dragon tails up no we can't two, say that can yeah you? two flaps up two, two dragon flaps flap up. wings up or yeah we can do that sometimes you might see it sometimes you don't hey look what's that it's a five-legged goat An original opening day attraction at the Magic Kingdom, Snow White's scary adventures delighted and pretty much legitimately frightened park guests from 1971 until it closed permanently in May of 2012. So the attraction was removed as part of the new Fantasyland construction in the Magic Kingdom and was replaced by Fairytale Hall, which was a uh, meet and greet area where uh, guests can now meet other princesses. And, of course, there's a nod to the previous tenant in the vicinity, because uh, inside the Breton Greed area, there's a collection of books arranged on a table, which we talked about a few shows ago. But there's one book that's actually open for the guests to see, to have a quick, take a quick look, and it's actually Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, written in German for everybody to read. So it's kind of interesting to, to see these little nods to their, you know, previous tenants, so to speak. Yeah, a little uh, Alf Deutsche as well. Yes, indeed. Exactly. Yeah. Sadly, that's one of the few things in the Magic Kingdom I haven't done yet is the princess meet and greet. Well, there's always a long line. Well, yeah, fast pass it. The restraining orders. Well, that that too. That too. Yeah, one that for each princess. Um, so that means we've reached... Well, I really had no good segue for this one whatsoever. That's fine. How do you segue restraining uh, order to prizes? Yeah, to prizes. Hey, um, we don't want to sh- restrain you from entering... Okay, I'll take it. All right, we'll do that, that one. So we've reached a part of the show where we talk about the year of a million or so limited time cadets, weekly prize winner, and come on, kids, there's only uh, 
three more episodes after this. Four. Four. That you'll probably four be able to episodes. enter. Four. Yeah, four more episodes. Yeah, I'm not so good at the maths. Um, and again, you can email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com with your name and address to be one of the last winners of the weekly prize. And mm-hmm. this week's prize pack is an amazing prize package from Fairy Godmother Travel and Teresa Corey of Fairy Godmother Travel. And the winner is KJS from Buffalo, New York. Hooray, KJ! We're very excited, KJ. So when the prize comes in, take a photo or two and we'll post it and make you social media famous. Sure. And that's part of the prize? Something like that. Something like that, yeah. Okay. So don't forget to email communicorweekly at gmail.com to enter the contest mm-hmm. yeah so thank you guys so much for watching and listening to another episode of Communicore Weekly yes yeah, so however you get the show please uh, leave a comment and rate us on iTunes we'd love to hear what you think yeah and again email us at communicoreweekly at gmail.com to uh, tell us what your favorite attraction in the world is or just to say hey that's fine you can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Weekly. and follow us on Twitter Instagram and Periscope I'm at Imagine Nerding he's at Jeff Heimbach you can also give us a call on the Communicore Weekly GOAT line at 424-785-4628 and make sure you visit CommunicoreWeekly.com visit the web store that's on there and pick up some awesome t-shirts you can also uh, still get your official cadet uh, membership card by sending a self-addressed stamped envelope to Communicore Weekly, P.O. Box 432, Orange, California, 92856. And you can always visit patreon.com slash Weekly to find out how you two can support the greatest online show. And for Jeff Heimbuck, I'm George Taylor. And for George Taylor, I'm Jeff Heimbuck. Thanks so much for listening, guys and gals. We'll see you next time on Communicore Weekly, the greatest online show. What did I see?